Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Series 2 of The Daniel Morgan Murder. I'm Peter Jukes. I'm Devia Amir. And we'll be exploring new revelations from the book by Alistair and me and more of the story which no one thought could be told. I think looking at the state of the Murdoch Empire and the state of the Metropolitan Police, what you've got is a dark and disgraceful parody of corporate governance in two of the most powerful bodies in Europe, maybe in the world. There is no media organization anywhere near as big as the Murdoch organization. Uh, I read a piece the other day which said it was many times greater than the one described in, in the famous film Citizen Kane. And I'm afraid when I say that the Met and the Murdoch Empire, they are both dark and disgraceful parodies of corporate governance. That was Laurie Flynn, co-author of the classic work on police corruption, Untouchables, explaining how, by the 1990s, a criminal media nexus had developed around the detective firm Southern Investigations. Untold. The Daniel Morgan Murder. Welcome to Episode 8. So, just to catch up where we are... In the last episode, we tracked Rupert Murdoch's star journalist, Mazza Mahmood, also known as the Fake Sheikh, and his long association with Southern investigations, going back to the early 90s, a few years after Daniel's murder. This association continues at least as far as 2002. Even after the arrest and conviction of Jonathan Reese in 2000, Mazza Mahmood's team was involved in the surveillance of Detective Chief Superintendent Dave Cook, while he led the fourth murder investigation. And Mahmood continued working closely with the police in his various stings. This was despite being cited as one of the top three suspects in media crimes by the Met, after the bug was placed in Southern Investigations in 1999. But as more and more allegations of wrongdoing surfaced against Mahmood, he was eventually interviewed as part of a police investigation. Operation Canopus, in 2005. During his interview under caution, Mahmood admitted he had senior officers and bent cops as informants. 
But nothing was ever done about this collusion with corrupt police officers for another decade. Meanwhile, it's important to understand that Southern Investigations wasn't just a brokering house of illegal info between the press and the Met. It was, from the beginning, also hired out to major figures in organized crime. Beyond the allegations of a major drug dealing firm involved in Daniel's murder a few years later, in the late 80s, intelligence reports suggested Southern Investigations was offering its services to criminals to fix police evidence. By the early 90s, reports suggested Southern Investigations was trying to track down an undercover cop about to give key evidence against the South London gangster Joey Pyle. Pyle had been mentioned by many informants as a key figure in Daniel's murder. So, in this episode, we'll try to track through three crucial strands of the dark arts in South London. Organised crime, corrupt police officers and compromised media. And we have one of the experts to guide us through this labyrinth of lies. My name's Laurie Flynn. Together with my writing colleague and fellow Guardian journalist, Michael Gillard, we began to investigate police corruption in South East London. And as a result of that, uh, we lost our jobs at the Guardian. However, this is not uncommon in the world of probing journalism to come up against uh, difficulties. And uh, we went on to write a book about the state of... Uh, the Metropolitan Police and Scotland Yard, called Untouchables, which has several chapters on the Daniel Morgan murder, several chapters on the Stephen Lawrence murder, and a very important contribution on another third murder in the same area, David Norris, Norris deceased, very probably a relative of Clifford Norris, the gangster behind uh, a good deal of the problematic policing in South East London. I'm a former World in Action producer and researcher. The programmes that we made were honoured with the awards because they were thought to be significant. And it has always astounded me that the mainstream media in Britain have never taken up the cause of the Morgan family. And I don't find this merely surprising. I find it deeply shocking and deeply indicative of rampant double standards, not merely in the police, but in the media, of a system of corruption that has spread from certain elements in the Murdoch Empire into the police and has been cross-fertilised by elements of corruption in the police back into the media, and which has taken the form, or one of the forms it has taken is a so-called private detective agency run by a provably bent police officer and a murder suspect uh, called Southern Investigations. Now, we know that art imitates life, but we also have to learn that life Im imitates art. And every time I think of what was going on in South East London, I think of one of the most important film versions of urban police corruption, LA Confidential, which features a man called Sid, Sid Hudgens, who is the uh, sleazoid tabloid journalist who 
sets up people, sells them drugs, has them arrested, works with bent officers, other bent officers, and is a generally loathsome character played so admirably by Danny DeVito. And actually, if you look at the model of what the author of L.A. Confidential is trying to express, it is a conjuncture of media, police, business, and gangster corruption. It's an empire of corruption that's being portrayed in L.A. Confidential. And I have absolutely no doubt, having wrestled with this, of trying to understand what's been going on in Southeast London, that there is a very important empire of corruption which has perpetrated a number of appalling crimes and which has been allowed to prosper from time to time and for a very long time. Our narrative essentially follows the activities of the Ghost Squad, a secretive new internal affairs unit of the Met which started a long-term corruption investigation, Operation Athona, soon after the murder of Stephen Lawrence and the sudden retirement of Commander Ray Adams in 1993. But according to Laurie Flynn, the corrupt networks in South London had been in place long before the new commissioner, Sir Paul Condom, set up the Ghost Squad. But my understanding, uh, which is still growing all these years later, is that Detective Sergeant Sidney Fillory, Detective Constable Taffy Holmes, and a good deal of other of these gentlemen that feature in the Lawrence disaster, in the Taffy Holmes disaster, in the David Norris deceased disaster, and in the, uh, most importantly of all, uh, in this instance, the, the, the murder of Daniel Morgan, were people of interest to the inquiry that was closed down. One of the first arrests that triggered the formation of the Ghost Squad was that of DC John Donald, who was caught in a BBC Panorama documentary offering various services to criminals, including accessing police intelligence logs. He also offered to become the link man for the notorious gangster Kenny Noy. In the covert surveillance on John Donald, he implicated his boss, a certain Detective Sergeant Alec Layton. Alec Layton was involved in the first Daniel Morgan murder investigation and was a close associate of Billery and Reese. Layton was suspended and soon left the Met to form his own private investigation company called Mayfair Associates, where he'd work alongside other familiar names, former cops such as O.J. Davidson, John Donald himself and Duncan Hanrahan. John Donald was, was part of a web of corruption, a corruption empire that enabled criminals to manipulate the police, uh, particularly those police that, were, that had business interests along with the criminals or who, who used them as informants. And what John Donald was doing was accepting money in order to arrange the loss of, of statements, the loss of forensic science, uh, and generally the banjaxing of, of, of proper policing inquiries. John Donald was a major criminal, but John Donald was part of a firm within a firm. I believe that John Donald is a much more significant figure than appears in the programme because of who he connects to, who his friends were, who his uh, allies were, 
I believe that uh, the John Donald Panorama, while being a very important programme, is also about the management of corruption and its appearance in the media. Uh, let's not underestimate how media savvy uh, the Met has become. Let's not underestimate the influence of uh, dozens of people who appeared to work for the Murdoch organisation who suddenly appear in important positions in press offices and elsewhere. So you've got a situation where the management of the media is a very central part of police activity. So with the John Donald case, the links are very, very interesting. Donald is linked in some important manner with Kenneth Noy. We know that for sure. We know that Taffy Holmes was linked uh, in an important measure to Kenneth Noy. We know that Commander Ray Adams was uh, linked to Kenneth Noy and that Kenneth Noy was indeed Commander Adams's informant at one time. We know that there's the, what has been described as the single worst case of corruption allegations in the Met, the whole matter of whether Commander Ray Adams and others were offered a £2 million bribe by Mr Noy uh, has never been properly investigated. And I personally believe that this is the heart, the inner sanctum that the Met are anxious to prevent being exposed, drawn out into public, and that they will do almost anything to stop this Brinksmat aftermath being properly investigated. And it is this that causes them to need to keep covering up things over a very long time. Time and time again, they fear that some corner of their the tapestry on the wall is going to be pulled out and the whole dirty, rotten scandal that's at the heart of it is going to come out into the open. So in 1994, after a scoping report for the Commissioner, The Dark Side of the Moon, senior officers came up with a new strategy to combat this embedded corruption, the Ghost Squad. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So the Ghost Squad was set up in circumstances of grave secrecy when a gentleman called Dave Wood, or Dave Woods, I'm not absolutely certain whether he's a Wood or a Woods, but he was he suddenly contracted cancer uh, of a theatrical variety and left the force uh, so that nobody had any idea that this squad was being set up. What I think Operation... Othona and the dark side uh, grow out of a, a major relocation of British intelligence away from Northern Ireland. They're desperate for new work and there's a big corruption problem. Pretty early on in his journey as, uh, as the architect and chief scout of the Ghost Squad, Wood recruits Derek Haslam, a troubled police officer who had imagined that he could root out corruption, could try to root out corruption. A friend of Taffy Holmes, who had become highly suspicious of another much more senior officer, a commander, Commander Raymond Adams. He's brought in and he is paid a pittance, it would appear, to infiltrate Southern investigations, uh, which they obviously knew, well knew by this time was one of the very, very definite hearts of the dry rot that uh, afflicted the Metropolitan Police, in particular in the South East London policing area over which Commander Adams had long presided. So Derek is brought in, and his job is to chum up to Messrs. Reese and later Messrs. Reese and Fillory, uh, and to report upon them to the dark side, the ghost squad. And... He does uh, a very, very persistent job. Soon after the recruitment of Derek Haslam in early 1997, the Ghost Squad landed one of its biggest catches when it caught Duncan Hanrahan trying to suborn a senior police officer. Hanrahan, who was involved in the Belmont car auctions fiasco 10 years previously, had left the Met in 1991. And after a period working with Alec Layton, and trying his own freelance career selling information to news of the world, he set up his own detective company with an older former detective, Martin King, another friend of Ray Adams. Hanrahan and King were caught on tape offering a suite of services to criminals, including potentially disposing of a prosecution witness from the top of a building. They were even caught brokering the reward of a stolen Henry Moore statue with Ray Adams acting as a middleman. Adams was by then working as Rupert Murdoch's head of European security for his satellite encryption service. After his arrest, Hanraham became a supergrass for the Ghost Squad, admitting to many past crimes and talking of a network of up to 50 corrupt police officers in southeast London alone. Oh, Duncan Hanrahan is a really troubled and interesting and sad, disturbed man. 
who had been at the heart of police corruption in southeast London and who was very well connected both in Britain and in Ireland where his his family had roots and where he was one of his relatives was quite prominent politician. Hanrahan was very, very close to both another extraordinarily corrupt officer, Martin King, who of course was also very closely connected to the man affectionately known as Billy Liar, Commander Raymond Adams. They were engaged in the security business, the private investigations business, uh, which of course, as along with the fashions of the time, were wholly unregulated, where anybody could set up and pretend to be anything, and they could use all the latest equipment, computers, radios, bugs, uh, to find information that somebody was willing to pay for. So Hanrahan also and his allies strayed into the uh, more entrepreneurial criminality that became possible, whereby you, when you seized drugs, you could steal a portion of the drugs, or if you found a large parcel of money, you could either steal all or part of it, or you could claim fictitious rewards. You have a whole repertoire, huge repertoire of every kind of, uh, of bent practice that it's possible to conceive of. The taxonomy would take many volumes. You have a whole appalling repertoire of impropriety, which uh, these people were engaged in. And it's absolutely incredible that this was never drawn out in a full public inquiry. What's quite clear is that he could have been the most effective witness on the network of bent people around the murder of, of Daniel Morgan. Uh, he himself told us that, that he knew a whole host of things. He knew at first hand that the Belmont car auction was, was a phony, that the robbery was got up. Uh, he had, I mean, he was compromised. But the great thing about compromised people is that if they're treated properly and honorably, and it's made clear to them that the officers interrogating them, investigating them, will go wherever the evidence goes, then those people will see that there's a different kind of model of policing uh, now being brought to the fore. Sadly, this never happened with Duncan Hanrahan. Hanrahan's supergrass evidence to the ghost squad of 50 corrupt cops in South London is probably the main source of a notorious statement by Commissioner Sir Paul Condon in late 1997 that there were 250 corrupt police officers in the Met. This caused outrage amongst police officers and consternation in the press, but given that the Met employed 40,000 officers at the time, it's probably a low estimate. Without question, uh, the numbers are very interesting, not least because I don't think they caught 250. In fact, I don't think they caught 150 or even 50. I think it's uh, a very, very low score rate of the 250 bent cops. But this is probably because a great many of them were never arrested and charged. Or if they were arrested, they were never charged. One important Ghost Squad arrest, the Southern Investigation Circle, was that of Detective Constable Neil Putnam in April 1998. Putnam had also known Daniel and added less than helpful information 
to the original murder investigation in 1987. Of course, he knew all the Southern Investigation Circle, and, like Hanrahan, after arrest, he also decided to become a supergrass. The whole matter of the handling of Neil Putnam is of the greatest importance, because he maintains, and his divorced wife, who has no reason to lie about this, maintains that he's telling the truth when he says that he told the Met, the Ghost Squad, the Dark Side, that OJ, the Scots guy, obnoxious jock, I can say that being Scots, was a deeply corrupt man in the pocket of Clifford Norris. Uh, one of the people who was uh, able to banjax the Stephen Lawrence inquiry, which I'm sure is uh, not a million miles from the truth. But a situation is contrived where the link between the Stephen Lawrence murder, the link to the informant, James Grant, uh, named after a Scotch whiskey, uh, some people would note, which suggests the name came <laughs> from OJ, if you ask me, uh, who then can't remember who he is, uh, which I find that's utterly preposterous. I don't believe that. OJ is arrested, and then he's let go. There were other arrests in the circle of cops around Southern Investigations during the period of the secret bug installed in the premises, though, as Laurie points out, the prosecutions around them always seemed a bit selective and random. By the time the existence of Operation Athona became public knowledge, due to the Ellison review of the Stephen Lawrence case in 2013, the Met said all the files from the operation had been shredded. We're not allowed to see Operation Athona. We're asked to, we're asked to believe that it's been shredded, although it must have been an electronic document and it's very difficult to shred an electronic document in a paper shredder. We can't see a whole host of reports, and you see in the treatment of the Morgan family and other families the reluctance with which the Met parts with, even in the most extreme circumstances, with bits and pieces of information that are absolutely vital and germane to any understanding of what's really going on. I personally don't believe Operation Othona and the Dark Side reports don't exist anymore. I believe there are copies. And I believe that when the public inquiry gets to grips with what's really been happening in the Met, and we stop trying to slice and dice this and pretend that it's fit for purpose, when we know that its high command is deeply compromised, even the decent elements have been becoming deeply compromised because of the cover-up culture, that they keep saying, oh, we must defend this reputational capital of the Met. But the reputation of the Met really is in tatters. It's now obvious in retrospect what we call the third Daniel Morgan murder inquiry, Operation Nigeria Two Bridges, was nothing of the kind. It was an anti-corruption drive, which focused on Southern investigations because it was the key center of corruption in Southeast London. This would explain why it was kept a secret from the family and was treated in such a cursory fashion. Alistair Morgan only heard of the third investigation when it was already over, and the police decided they didn't have enough evidence to prosecute. Reese's plan to fit up the mother in a custody dispute with cocaine came to light, 
Now, originally, Reese had suggested to the jeweler, Simon James, that they would plant the drugs in his estranged wife's flat. But it was Fillory who could be heard on the tape suggesting planting the drugs in her car, as happened when the alleged getaway driver for the Daniel Morgan murder, Jimmy Cook, was videoed by police planting them in her Fiat Uno. Fillory was also caught in a potential money laundering scam for underworld figures. But nothing happened to Fillory when Reese and his other corrupt cop friends were arrested over the cocaine setup. Laurie Flynn thinks that this aversion to tackling Fillory is one of the most important factors in the Ghost Squad's failure and a potential cover-up. It's a mystery to me that Fillory has persistently avoided being charged with a whole range of corruption offences, including serious process corruption, when he was uh, the King of Catford. So the treatment of Sidney Fillory, even today, astounds me that this man is at liberty, because he clearly has been involved in the most egregious crimes over a very long period as a police officer. And I think I'm not alone in that belief. I think that anybody who has fairly and dispassionately examined the evidence for more than a day or two will conclude that it really is a miracle that Sidney Fillory is still a free man. So that brings me back to an early hypothesis that I had, which is that this network of corruption has got protectors, and not only in the police force, I believe there was some kind of symbiosis between that corruption empire, the Murdoch corruption empire, and the corruption empire that Britain's intelligence services sometimes make use of. So what you've got here is a very, very toxic barrel in southeast London, which occasionally they drain off a quart of liquid and deliver that up to the law courts. But in the main, they're persistently, for one reason or another, which I don't fully understand, that for one reason or another, they're allowed to run. Next episode, we'll turn to Ireland and the involvement of the security services as the editor of the Irish edition of News of the World exploits all the dark arts of phone and computer hacking to track down an IRA double agent. Episode 8 was produced by Peter Dukes and Devia Mir. Music by Shemaili Mir. With additional music support by Incompetech and Daniel Pike. A Flameflower Duende production. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a woman-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.